0: hey sandy what's up
1: sandy how does it feel to be a part of like the younger generation and i'm i'm, I'm asking you this question because i'm i'm like i'm a little older than you <laughs> and sometimes i feel like there's a bit of a divide between oh us my God. and our ages
0: what <laughs> what like because you were the older class of the double cohort don't you feel only it? millennials in Ontario will understand that joke? Actually, <laughs> I'm realizing, which I don't think means that we're young. I think okay, you know what? I wonder. I I wonder when do we get to be called fully grown adults? Because have you noticed that the age category that is young just seems to be moving with us? I'm cool with it, to be honest. Like I'm cool to be considered young in perpetuity, but I also want to be respected as like an, a fully grown. Um, uh, fully capable of of complex thoughts adult at some point you know yeah <laughs> I just feel like mid-30s should be it <laughs> this is the okay boomer episode <laughs> <laughs> I should also say though that because I'm like at law school right now you know, most of the people that I'm hanging out with are are very young, <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I they probably think that I am a boomer. So, and there's always this like weird uh, thing where people are like, "Am I a millennial or am I a Generation Z?" And I was allow me to just tell this story. I was um, arguing with this one young thing about uh her being gen z and not a millennial and then i said well here's the test did you have dial up and she said to me is that is that a phone thing and i was like i should now be able to be considered old or a fully grown adult (laughs) if that is your question and you are generation z (laughs) okay boomer uh, that's you, right? Since you're so much older than me, okay, boomer?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll um I'll start off first by 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 thanking a lot of the folks that make this show possible this week, uh, and really this month. Uh, there's been a, a a boom actually in donations, so thank you so 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 much for that. I want to say, hey to Jonathan, to Greg, to RG, to Caitlin, to Juanita, to Kusha, to Greg. I said Greg twice. Those are the same Gregs. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. <laughs> and uh and a really 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 big thanks to Brent who has been a huge supporter and we are so excited to watch what is next for your political and activist career. So thanks so much Brent. Thank you. Not sure who on that list are boomers,
0: I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> we support boomers, but let's let's talk about this. So you've seen this this hashtag crop up. It's like a response to the curmudgeonly older people who are criticizing us millennials for destroying such things as, I don't know, malls. I hear, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't really go shopping in malls.
1: So you're <laughs> destroying them, <laughs> malls,
0: and yeah, I guess that's that's it. And like, um, I don't know, other th- soap, I hear, like <laughs> all the things that we're destroying, <laughs> all very important, and then we. Uh, the younger generation are meant to say, okay, boomer, uh, because they just don't get it and won't get it. But also we're more focused on things like income inequality and, uh, and the climate crisis and racism. Did I get it? That's, that's the, that's
1: thing. the thing. I think uh, I th- end of podcast. There's, there's a test, I think, uh, on age that I, I like to use and it, and it, and it And it's related to a little thing called ICQ, because I think like (laughs) the truly wonderful generation right now is the generation that stayed up late waiting
0: for messages on ICQ. Oh, ICQ! You know what'd be great is if you could find the sound and just loop it into the show.
1: That I, I could do that. Uh, you know what, this is where I have to tell everybody that I, I so ICQ is a, a messaging um, service that was probably like, I guess, the first real messaging service. It was really like wild that we can message our friends when the internet was kind of new. Well, very new for <laughs> many of us that were not in the military and uh, or nerds on uh, on bulletin boards. And I, I actually used the sound of, of Jerry Seinfeld from one of his stand up acts saying, who the hell is this guy? And that became my ICQ chime for every single message that I got.
0: (laughs) I think mine was something from the Rugrats, to be honest, but um, (laughs) I can't remember. (laughs) I really loved the Rugrats, so I would make all of my little sounds on my computer the Rugrats, so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) So OK Boomer is an interesting cultural phenomenon, and the reason why we want to talk about it today is because there's a lot to deconstruct in that. There is a generational identity, like how do you identify within a generation? There's these questions about what are uniting us or what are dividing us. Lots of critiques of OK Boomer, of course, um, you know, not hashtag not all boomers, I guess. (laughs) And I think that the 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 real question that will underline this show is is what you've already just said is at what point are we allowed to be adults, and at what point are we allowed to like <laughs> get on with our lives and not be seen as children, uh, either entitled children or children that are killing various uh, useless industries. And so I don't know, Sandy. Do you do you? feel that tension between your generation and the boomer generation or older generations?
0: Well, I do think that a lot of it is contrived. I think that there's like a a cultural kind of um, cyclical uh, like obsession with like the difference between an older generation and a younger generation. And I do think that the boomers experienced that themselves when they were young. And uh, there's, you know, an obsession with youth youth culture uh, in mass media and mass media is able to comment on these like age groups um, as their own distinct cultural uh, enclaves in a way that it hadn't been able to a hundred years ago, let's say so I think, Uh, that a a bit of it is contrived. I think we'll continue to see this type of thing as so long as there's like an interest in um, wanting to make an older generation seem out of touch and wanting to make a younger generation seem too naive. Um, But I do think that there is a little something there. Like I, I know, and we'll get into this, that there are like these critiques where it's like, okay, yeah, uh, we could say that this is like some sort of weird divide, or we could recognize that the real divide is like a class divide, and you know, um, you, we shouldn't be upset with older folks, and older folks shouldn't be upset with the younger folks. We should all just be upset with the rich, and yeah, like totally for sure. Yeah, but I, but I do, I do think that there is a little something there um, with this respect to how we value um, the voices. And the futures uh, of young people and how we uh, value and learn from um, older folks who have been through some of the same things that we have.
1: Yeah, I have been thinking about this a lot because for a couple of years now, I've been writing a lot about how politics expresses itself differently based on what generation you were born into and how you understand things like the welfare state or social services right there's there's generations of people that remember uh, a welfare state that you know was imperfect but still helped people let's say actually climb out of poverty right how many stories do you know of like people who are you know in their 70s now uh, who didn't finish high school and managed to work their way up to the top or whatever And then there's an entire other set of generations that have absolutely no understanding of what it's like to live in a world where you, uh, you know, pay very low tuition fees or you're not uh, saddled with record high personal debt or like you can get a job somewhere and stay in that job for your career instead of like jumping from from job to job to job. And I've been I was reminded recently of a of an event that I spoke at many years ago It was at a union forum on pensions. And so there's like 500 people in the room. And I was asked to speak on a panel with a bunch of actuaries uh, who were talking about uh, pension changes and, and, you know, stuff that, I think a lot of people who are under the age of 40 are like kind of not thinking about either because they don't have to or because they don't have a pension. <laughs> Most of the people is, is that. And I mm-hmm. I was there to, to remind people that, you know, uh, folks uh, who are of the younger generations, so many generations of people who are, you know, in a world where the where the social safety net's been radically altered. They have had it really hard. They've had it really, really fucking hard. And that when I say that, I mean, things have been more expensive. Things have been more difficult. And I, I said that from the front of the room and a woman who gets the microphone and she was like, that's like, that's divisive. That's, that's just dividing our generations. You know, things were really hard in the 1970s as well, whatever. And I was sitting at the front of the room. Uh, This woman worked for the union. So she had a, a very good job and I was at the time pregnant. I would give birth two weeks later. I would go back to work for a month. I would have to fight to continue my contract because my contract was actually cancelled when my employer found out that I had given birth. And, um, and I was—I have no pension, like at all. And I had to be like, okay, whoa, 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 let's step back and talk about a couple of things that are true. Record high youth unemployment, record high tuition fees, record high household debt. Like this is a generational problem. And... Uh, if you want to get uh, very strong in your language, I would argue is actually a generational war where uh, people with power, I'm not saying all boomers, but people with power are able to inflict maximum pain on people without power. And how do you do that to younger people? Well, you saddle them in debt because you're going to make sure that for a longer period of time, they're unable to fight back or resist or get involved or whatever. And I've I've always thought about that conversation, just how, like, angry that woman was that I was like, how dare I say that things actually are harder today for younger people than they were in the 1970s.
0: Well, I think that part of that also is um, that maybe, you know, she's heard some of those news stories that students have a lot of debt, um, that there's a lot of unemployment. Um, that people are struggling, but I think that when people hear those news stories, and this is coming out of a conversation that I had with a boomer, um, they were like, "Yeah, but so did we. We also had debt. Like, you know, we also had trouble saving for for a home. Like, it, it you know, like these things also um, happen to us." And so I'm like, "What I don't understand is why you think that this is special." And I had to <laughs> to say to him, "Like, I think that you are." you're like listening to these stories and you are matching it with your own experience which makes sense that's how we take in information that's that makes sense but what you're not hearing is like how different it actually is than your experience like yes you had to save up for a house or you had to save up for school and you could do that in a summer it's not possible to do that anymore and that's what i need you to to hear so you're you're hearing the same words of Uh, difficulties that you have uh, that sound familiar to you, debt, savings, uh, difficulties to find a job. But what we are trying to communicate is that those things at one point were surmountable through perhaps some hard work from uh, white men, but now are completely insurmountable uh, for most of the population. And I think that 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 divide of not being able to relate to the experience that sounds familiar but it's just it's not the same it's fully not the same experience Um, uh, makes the understanding a little difficult well what do you think about the
1: the the way in which the press or media reflects a reality that doesn't exist to a majority of people in this country like don't you think it's weird that 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 journalists will like talk about stuff as if things ha- are the way they have been for the last thirty years, and that that message of you just have to work hard, you just have to transcend debt, this is the what's going to get you out of this hole. Like, what do you think that does to people when they hear that collectively?
0: There's two ways I want to answer that question. So, way number one is like, uh, yeah, if everything seems normal, like if the if the press and the mass media is communicating things as normal then no one is going to think, oh, my gosh, we're at crisis levels of anything and uh, really push forward uh, to make sure uh, that we're addressing a crisis. And I mean, nowhere is this more pronounced uh, than the climate crisis, uh, where it's like, you know, we can talk about flooding in Toronto or fires in Alberta as though they are unconnected to some sort of broader change with the earth. Like, oh, more, more fires than usual this year ha uh-huh. so, so strange. More people evacuated this year. Or, oh, it floods every year now in mm-hmm. Toronto. That didn't used to happen. Hmm, strange. You know, but without talking about it like it's connected to some sort of crisis, then people don't respond as though uh, there is a crisis happening and then real like Justin Trudeau is leader and so on and so on. Um, the second way I want to answer this question is, yeah, that's really fucking bizarre that journalists are not telling us uh, the the crisis level of what's happening and especially journalists because like what industry is like more threatened by some of the changes <laughs> in the way and the opportunities that are available to people than than journalism like journalists should be the one being like ah no hello this is all very bad and wrong <laughs> and we are at crisis levels when it comes to being able to have secure employment um uh secure futures for ourselves and for uh for kids if we can afford to decide to have them <laughs> <laughs>
1: I uh one of the things that I saw uh in this discussion this past week was of course the boomer generation was the the generation that told the the greatest generation to fuck themselves. <laughs> Right, right. And so maybe, maybe all we're seeing is like some some intergenerational solidarity between those four <laughs> folks who were decimated and, and injured by World War II to uh you know who had the who had children in a in a period where the economy was was going very very strong and where this idea that your children should have a better life than you have um, was normal. And of course, we have come over a hill where that is not the case anymore. And uh, and our rhetoric has not. Has not met up with that. No, it hasn't. It's one of the things that I get most frustrated with is in uh, in the world of work. This the it really does feel impossible to to try and assert yourself as an adult if you're in an adult industry. Not the adult industries. If you're in an adult industry, um, but the but the people with the most power and the most ability to say stuff are are boomers (laughs) i think that that's that's also where where you see a lot of this frustration is that people have to work longer that there's uh that there are fewer jobs in 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 kind of those industries that you've worked really hard your whole life to go out and and hopefully get and then there's more jobs of course in the service industry where people are finding themselves to to just make ends meet and the the way that that generational conflict is able to subjugate people i think is not been talked enough about in this whole kind of conversation around okay boomerism that um of course that there's a class uh, dynamic to this and and we are talking about the rich although i also saw someone say online like in fairness poverty kills people younger so it's not too surprising that uh, you know conservatism uh, skews towards older people and older voters but it is really hard to see what feels like I'm like I'm gonna be shut out of my industry for my for my entire life? Like what is it going to take to be able to get a a, a paying job as a writer in this country uh, when all they're doing is hiring like the absolutely worst elements of people my age, or fucking Andrew Coyne, who somehow just got hired by the Global Mail. I mean, the global Mails finding money left, right and center to hire the fucking worst <laughs> people among us. Yeah. Well, and it's all in the in the pursuit of making sure that that there are people that are maintaining like the status quo in people's minds and telling everyone, no, 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 this is fine. Actually, this is how it's always been. This is fine. Uh, There's always been people that have been malcontents and things are fine. They are okay. While like most of us are like, oh, my God, the climate's going to kill us.
0: Yeah. And I think um, just to to like uh, put one more point on news, I think part of that is also the way that we get our news uh, differently than boomers do. Like boomers are consuming um, the type of news uh, that is being delivered to them is not it's not in the same formats that we're getting the news and our news is always couched in some sort of opinion um, and that's usually how we're getting it. We're getting it through uh, Twitter or Facebook and very rarely um, or podcasts or something like that, very rarely um, just a, a, a news source that's being delivered to us. And so we are always getting it with some sort of, uh, you know, uh, value added uh, kind of, uh, opinion about what this news means, um, mm. whereas the, the news that the, the boomers are getting um, are not always like I'm, I'm not trying to essentialize anything, but I'm just saying that more people are perhaps getting it without um, those opinions uh, attached to it, um, which will make the response to whatever that that news is a little bit difficult, especially when it comes to things like work, class, uh, the climate and so on.
1: Yeah, but it's also it's also like that. There's been this rapid um, uh, internetification of the boomer generation, and I think that this is also something that is that is completely not uh, uh, talked enough about or studied uh, studied enough. And in fact, actually, one of my failed pitches to the Globe Mail uh, was to to look or the Star or both. Actually, <laughs> was to to say like, can we can, can I write something that actually looks at the impact? Of, uh, of the rapid move towards the internet of people who are older, because we know that, you know, like that there's a there's a, a crisis of people who are watching 24 hour news who are retired, and that is really altering how they uh, interact with the world, regardless of if it's Fox News or MSNBC or, 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 or uh. Uh, CNN, like this stuff is really actually impacting how um, an entire generation of people are understanding and, and, and interacting with the news. While at the same time, you know, there's been, there are some people that have went from like no internet at all to fully being online. Whereas like those of us who are, are our age got to go through that transition slowly. There are other people who went through that transition through work and it was more gradual. And of course, there's now like two full generations of, of people who only knew the world with the internet. And I think that 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 is a really critical location where we can ask ourselves, like, what has the Internet done uh, to old people, to older people? Uh, We're so focused on the Internet and young people and like, you know, cyber harassment or whatever the fuck. Um, But the 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 rapid move from getting your unbiased quote unquote unbiased news from a talking head at six o'clock and then again at 10 o'clock has been replaced by like fucking memes. (laughs) And we all know what this looks like in our families. We all see memes shared by family members. We're like, oh my God, what are you sharing that for? And whether that content is like you know, it runs the it runs the, 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 the spectrum from being embarrassing, like just embarrassing, to embarrassingly racist to really right wing to um conspiracy theories. And um and and no, we're not talking about this invisible force. We're just kind of like assuming that it's all business as normal as everyone has always imagined it to be. Nothing's really changed. The internet's just there as a tool. Um, except when, you know, maybe the internet uh is, is getting Russia to, to, to to control the American elections or whatever, but there's no intelligent discussions about what has the internet done to this generation of people who were not on it for the majority of their lives until now, and now they're really on it.
0: I think what this all comes down to what this the this like refrain the okay boomer refrain as response, as a response to not taking. The issues of Gen Z, millennials, and maybe Gen X—I don't know. It seems like Gen X has been like fully, <laughs> completely, <laughs> left out of this entire conversation. <laughs> but um, taking um, the <laughs> the concerns of these generations uh, seriously, I think that it all boils down to power and a generation of people who are who it appears are not willing. To transfer some of the power That you know they fought for They fought older generations for um, uh, To mm-hmm. to young folks And who more than boomers would know That young people Are essential To forward moving Progress In so many different fields Like they were the ones Who like Who, who came up with that refrain uh, And so it's you know, it's a a phrase that I think is meant to say, like, "Look, can you just give us some fucking power?" And not the kind of power where you, you know, uh, take a a kid who like Greta Thunberg and like put her like image on the side of a building somewhere and say, "Isn't that sweet?" But like actual power, making sure that youth and youth issues. And maybe not even youth, but like 30 something year olds are involved in making the decisions that are affecting our lives. Because right now, as a result of being shut out, it appears that we're complaining about nothing to y'all, to like some of the boomers who are responding in this way. But we're literally telling you that our lives are um, harder to live than lives have often ever been. And it's resulting in some really terrible shit like what do we what do we think that you know these mental health crises are are um related to it's all about some of this stuff and not being able to have the power to transform it
1: it's kind of funny to think about that refrain don't trust anyone over 30 which was like the boomer chorus um from the 1960s and you know into the 1970s and I wonder if, like, what's really the issue is that there's been a multi-decade process of disentangling people from one another based on age. And it, it comes at the same time as the, as the United States and, and American hegemony, which is, of course, you know, exported around the world and Canada is one of the big <laughs> importers of American hegemony, is tied to the culture of teenage boys Like everything, we peg everything at what is entertaining to what is cool to what is um, attractive to us as what is entertaining, cool and attractive to a teenage boy, which is why fucking Donald Trump is in the White House. Um, And the the lack of intergenerational solidarity, you know, in some movements that happened because the police killed an entire generation of activists or, or crushed their activism in some way. Um, but in other in, in other movements, this this idea that you know you don't trust anyone over thirty, I think got trans transposed onto other generations where intergenerational solidarity on the left is really thin, like it's really really lacking. And it and it hit me the most when I moved to Quebec, where you know social movements are still very active, and. The in in uh, the election campaign in 2012, so that was the election that was just on the t- the, the heels of the uh, the student strikes of 2012. you can see who was involved in the left-wing campaign based on like what year they were born in and the strength of social movements that they were probably involved in as youth. And they stayed involved. And so there was like, you know, it was like the every kind of generation was there, except for the years in like the 1980s, where the student movement in Quebec was kind of was more weak. Um, there was kind of a gap. And the only people who were of that age were like the real hardcore socialists. And then and then, you know, above and below the there was a lot more people of um, involved in in our campaigns but I never really saw that inter- intergenerational solidarity in Toronto. I mean, there's some of it in the labor movement, but even that is, is tenuous. The labor movement considers people to be young workers until a fucking, the embarrassingly low age of 30 or 35, depending on what
0: union you're in. Oh, 40, 40 in some unions. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not joking when I'm saying that the number just seems to keep following how old I am. Like In some unions, it is now 40 and under is youth.
1: And in those situations, those people are not giving up power. That's literally what it is. It's union presidents that won't that won't retire or that won't uh, give up their power. Um, it's it's other kinds of staffers that won't retire or that can't retire or whatever. Or it's people that retire and then come back to work for whatever reason. And there's legitimate and illegitimate reasons for why people do that. And at the same time, you know, we've got governments that are trying to get people to work longer because, you know, it's cheaper to have them work than to have to, you know, have them collect their pension where 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 do you see the the gaps in intergenerational solidarity in uh, in social movement organizing
0: well you know i rather than talking about the gaps i'd like to talk about um, where there aren't gaps because i Ooh. think that, that might help some 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 folks who might be thinking about this Um, I know that one of the gifts that the uh, Black Lives Matter Toronto chapter has been able to deliver to other chapters um, throughout the world has been our commitment to having an intergenerational uh, approach to our work. And I know that a lot of Indigenous activists also have a... Are rooted in an intergenerational approach to their work. And let me tell you how this seriously transforms uh, the way that you're able to think about um, what is possible. And when I say intergenerational, I'm not just talking about adults, I'm also talking about kids. We have kids involved in, um, kids and youth involved in. Uh, brainstorming what's possible. And we don't do anything without having some sort of a discussion with the elders in our communities um, first to talk about, uh, have you ever tried this? Have you thought about this? Do you know any of these people Um do, is there a history around this stuff that we just haven't been told uh, in the the media and the historical archives that currently exist and are, and are shitty uh, at recording our issues? And that stuff has transformed so much of what we do uh, from the... Uh, the stage of of, of thinking of, of just coming up with some idea or project uh, to how to support a family who really uh, needs it. Um, and it's made us better activists. It's made us uh, better at doing what it is that we want to do. Um, I think that that kind of engagement has also helped our elders. Like I'm you know, speaking for them now, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be, but I, I think so They. they've expressed as much. Um, and I think it makes uh, the kids who are involved, uh, it preps them to have like a, a really great, um, set of skills, uh, when they're ready to, to take over power as well. And so I, you know, I don't want to talk about where the gaps are. I want to talk about like how good it feels to put All of the knowledge that is contained in folks who are older to folks who are very young and put it all together, it makes magic. It really does. And being involved in the union movement as well, you know, I can see where some of those things aren't happening. And it's like, oh, my God, if only you would just take seriously um, what was happening from folks who are just a little bit bit younger Uh, this project could be so much better. It could be so much more improved. We could get so much more done. And I think uh, that people who are organizing in this way can really tell you what uh, a fantastic um, approach to organizing. It can be when it's done right. You know, like obviously I'm sure there's been experiences of people um, who've had... Uh, difficulties working with people who tend to either take power because they don't trust older people or take power because they don't trust younger people in an intergenerational space. But as so long as there are some ground rules about how you uh, respect one another, I think it can be really transformative.
1: So like go into your local quilting circle and radicalize and get radicalized.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean yeah basically i guess <laughs>
1: yeah well but, it, but friendships are, are really important right like intergenerational friendships are really really important and and i think part of the commodification of our relationships under neoliberalism our relationships kind of are boiled down to a transaction sometimes oftentimes and when it comes to intergenerational relationships that transaction is boiled down into mentorship Right, and so you're always being mentored by someone to fucking I don't know do some fucking shit, right? And it's like, can you just be friends? <laughs> like, mm. you know, you're mentored by your friends. Your your friends are mentored by you. Like, you can you can just be friends, even though there might be a thirty or a forty or a fifty year age gap between you. And finding uh, the, the 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 spaces to do that work and to make sure that people are coming together, that's really important. And I think that this is the strength of the climate strikes, where you see. Young people like absolutely leading the way. And uh, and and those older folks who uh, are probably with it enough to not get all mad when you say, OK, boomer, because they're like, yeah, my generation like blows. (laughs) You can see there's like a real excitement of the fact that that the that the environmental movement is growing in such a way that is like it's it's not partisan. So it's not subservient to a political project that's in parliament. And instead, they are making their own demands uh, outside, uh, like in the streets, literally. To force change from outside the the, the democratic, like formal democratic structures. And I think that that's really wonderful. And I think that that's also like where we're going to see the most most fruitful kind of tactics that'll be chosen to, to fight for climate justice.
0: Yes, you know, like g- getting out into the streets as youth—it's like that's kind of what the boomers taught us to do. No, like <laughs> what's more intergenerational than that? But also, like, let's talk about this in the last uh, little bit that we have here with respect to political parties. Okay, yeah, because I, for one, am very excited about the youth coming up in the conservative party. <laughs> no, 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 that was a joke. But <laughs> we do, we do, you know, like, like. Who is running the political parties right now? Do our young people having uh, some sort of impact? Are they having some sort of say? Is it showing in the way that the the political parties are uh, conducting themselves out in the world? Like, What's going on with respect to power in big P politics right now?
1: Well, actually, that's a really great question. And it also gets to the like the 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 point that we have, I think, have made, which is that it doesn't actually matter the age of the people making the decisions if the party is rotten, the party is rotten. Um, But young people (laughs) or 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 not just young people, but that's where you also can have diverse identities and and experiences like that always makes for a more compelling and effective political party. So the conservatives can have a whole bunch of young people that all look like old people in the ranks and they'll still have like fucking suck. Right. Yeah. Like it
0: somehow just feels old, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which makes
1: no sense. And that's a reference to a wonderful onion uh, article, which was like the campus conservative club somehow looks like they're all 80 or something like that. I don't know. Um, the the liberals liberals exploit youth and they exploit um that energy and 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 the the good sides that come with youth to then like sell average people a bill of goods that can then be like given just to the corporate world and so that's where we have to be very careful and that's where okay boomer is the most obvious um has its most obvious limits like i would love to say okay boomer to Justin Trudeau or Catherine McKenna or especially fucking Krista Freeland but i mean okay name the reference could be better right okay capitalist okay i don't know man man like <laughs> the man yeah men the men uh, imperialists whatever those are all better descriptors of the of the Liberal Party, which, of course, is power right now. That's not OK Boomer. The NDP might be where and the Greens actually uh, would be, I think, where to have this uh, conversation the most. Because with the NDP, like, is it the boomers that are controlling the NDP? Uh, are, are are you know, obviously, Jugmeat is not a boomer and the people around him. We saw like they actually could use social media on like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> someone like Elizabeth May.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. So embarrassing. <laughs> if
1: you didn't see her TikTok. You for sure should Google them because they're not good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They really tried. Uh, They did try. They should, but
1: but. But the excitement around uh, around the NDP's campaign was probably, like, 100% thanks to the creativity and the risks that were being taken by um, it, at least his digital team. Like, I'm not sure how much of the other parts of the establishment were in in uh, decisions that said, you know, make yourself look, like, cool and fun and average and authentic, you know. Um, but we had three political party parties led by three men who were not that far in age from each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, really? Andrew Shear? Not that far? We're... Are we sure? Oh my God. Shear's she- like 30. Fucking no, no, I know. I I'm, know. I'm making a joke. But... I know, but I am too. <laughs> really? Did you say he's 35? No, I think 38. Oh, he's much closer to my age than I'm comfortable with. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you want to talk about that, I mean, I just found out that um, that the Quebec immigration minister, uh, Simon Jolin Barrette, who's put forward the most racist and horrible reforms, and just had his ass handed to him in a spectacular way, um, because he 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 tried to he tried to make it very hard for international students to stay in Canada and stay in Quebec after and get their permanent residency. He lost; the entire bill had to be scrapped. That motherfucker is thirty two, and I wanted to barf when I fucking
0: heard that. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't don't understand, like, people who are young and curmudgeonly at the same time. It's like, what happens to you? What's the point of that? (laughs) What is it? I don't know. I guess that's part of trying to understand. Anyway, no, I'm not going to go on. <laughs> well,
1: Quebec is a really uh, a- interesting example of that that clash between um, whether or not this is generational or whether or not these are ideological issues, because we have a prime minister or a, a premier who is like the classic boomer. Like he's a he founded Air Transat. He's a capitalist. He like I mean I don't think he's probably got rhythm. He's very awkward. Uh, There's this wonderful moment when he won where he, like, kissed his sister on the lips because it was, like, all awkward and they didn't know what to do. And then that happened. And everyone's like, whoa, that was really intimate. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) 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 and so he's a really great yeah he's like the the most like okay boomer like out there and and but he's found like all of these really young ministers his deputy is uh Genevieve Guibault who's like 35 there's Lionel Camin and there's uh Christopher Skeet both of those guys are like not that old I I imagine they're in their 40s um and then this guy Simon Jolet Barret, who is 30 fucking two and is is literally trying to make quebec a white ethno state on the other side of the wall of the national assembly you have you have quebec solidar that is mostly young but with two folks who are in their in their late 50s and catherine dorian who is kicked out of the salon bleu like the place where debates are held because she showed up in a hoodie and the liberals were like, "No, no, 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 no! This is unacceptable attire," um, and they they launched an ethics complaint against her for wearing a hoodie to the National yeah. Assembly, and so this is this is conflict. Um, it is class conflict. There's no question about that. There's gender politics, in it, and there's no question about that. But 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 the. The, 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 the clash between the old way of doing things, the old parties, the old corruption, and the new way of doing things, laughing at corruption, saying this is bullshit, we're not going to continue this anymore, we're not going to take it anymore. This is the state of Canadian politics right now, um, and it is such a wonderful moment to be active, to see these two worlds clash, and that they kind of do skew between age and, and not age, but at the end of the day, they really don't.
0: They really don't. And one other thing, one more pitch to getting young people involved is just to like let y'all know that, you know, the right has figured it out. Like it's kind of a little bit of what Nora is talking about here with some of these, you know, young white men who are disaffected, who get power like they they get power because the right has figured out that uh, youth youthfulness is powerful, can be powerful. Um, And even Jordan Peterson and his ilk have figured out that it makes sense to have a Lauren Southern around and it makes sense to have a TA around. I can't remember her name right now. I don't know. (laughs) It just escaped me, but the TA from fucking um, Laurier uh, or was it Waterloo? It's all good. From fucking Laurier. It's like, it makes sense to have those people around because being able to appeal to the youth culture uh, that that is so powerful right now on social media um, builds power on the right. And that's how they've, that's one of the ways that they've been able to consolidate some of their power into real power. Um, whether it's, you know, creating some sort of uh, new uh, political party through uh, uh, Wexit or the kind of things that we're seeing with uh, Maxime Bernier or, you you know like how the tea party was transformed into like the alt right movement in the United States it's like these things happened because of youthful figures who were given some power on the right and so you know let's do that let's do a little bit more of that get a little bit more intergenerational um because there is power when we when we work together when we consolidate our work um uh, to for for progressive ideals together.
1: Yeah, the worst example of this is like the anti-choice movement, where there's a lot of young oh, women yeah. who are being yeah. uh, used to promote. Uh, I don't know exactly what. And there's one woman in particular who, I mean, she's got like a 15 minute rap that she does on the steps of Convocation Hall at U of T. I don't suggest you find her, but she went viral because her parents filmed her speech when she was 12 talking about why abortion is bad. And she's parlayed that into like a book and she's got speaking tours in like random church groups and conservative clubs across Canada. That is how they build their movement. And there is literally nothing like that on the left. Yeah. it's, It's like there's an allergy on the left. With uh, dealing with young people and and the, and the young folks like I don't know if you get this too but the young folks who are in touch with me about activism and where do I get started and how do I do this like they really seem to be shut out and and like they have to put in their time and they have to learn and it's like no no you you're fucking 19 you should just say whatever the fuck you think is right because you're probably going to get it right
0: yeah well you know what I, I learned moving out here is that so many people who are activists in the U.S. actually went through like semi-formal to formal activist training schools over periods of years because there's like there's there's been a concerted effort to make sure that there are places where young people could gain skills uh so that they could use it to build their own movements or to challenge power in whatever ways that they want to and people would ask me like what sort of training school did you go to like i was here like <laughs> like I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like maybe the closest thing we had to that in Canada is the student unions, which, you know, aren't really doing that work in the same way anymore right now. But I don't we don't have that. And so another challenge would be to build that kind of thing so that when people are reaching out to Nora, Nora can say, well, there is this place where you can learn this thing and it's being funded by the unions. Uh that's just a dream. Yes. <laughs> or a suggestion. Yes.
1: <laughs> Have a fucking community launch or something. Like just get people together and the solutions will they'll find you.